Welcome to CTSI Science Cafe, a community engagement initiative of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. This program is recorded in front of our live community audience at St. Dan Center for Intergenerational Care, Bucyrus Campus in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This 2017 Science Cafe features a presentation and community conversation focusing on understanding food and nutrition labels, the pathway to healthy food choices and weight loss. Our guest presenter is Andrea Moosreiner, Bionutrition Program Manager at the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin's Adult Translational Research Unit. Here now is Andrea Moosreiner. all for coming. Happy Halloween. It's a great day to talk about nutrition, right? And so we know that eating healthy helps prevent disease, right? And we know that eating healthy helps aid treatment of disease and ultimately improves our long-term outcomes. So we'll talk about nutrition tonight. So I really have three purposes for this evening to briefly talk about weight loss and weight maintenance strategies that work practicing reading nutrition labels, and then lastly have open discussion on nutrition. So we know that poor eating, poor nutrition has led to an obesity problem. So let's talk about proven strategies that work for not only weight loss, but weight maintenance. Um, weight maintenance is just as important as weight loss. It's that idea of keeping those habits after the initial weight loss. So these strategies that I'm going to cover have strong evidence behind them. So one, cutting calories. You could argue that it is just a basic math equation, right? The calories that we consume need to be less than the calories that we burn. So less in than out. So strategies to cut calories, one is my favorite strategy, using smaller plates smaller dishes. So nobody wants a large plate with small portions of food, right? Well, we would all feel kind of gypped. So that's one way to cut calories, using a smaller plate. The hurdle to this suggestion is we're Americans and we want the most for our dollar. We want our $10 meal to be a buffet. So it's retraining your mind to think about, all right, my $10 has this very nutritious, adequate size plate of food in front of me. Second, uh, rethinking your beverages. Oftentimes we may or may not realize how many calories we're drinking throughout the day. More and more information on high sugar beverages have come out. Companies have responded to that and now we have a number of low calorie beverage options, some better than others. And of course there is always water. It could be that we are really just thirsty when we feel like we're hungry. So I always encourage people to drink more water to help curb your appetite. Next strategy to help cut calories or reduce calories, replacing high caloric food for low caloric food. And you can think about this in two ways, kind of the big picture. All right, I'm gonna try to eat more lean proteins and more vegetables and whole fruits and less junk food, chips, cookies, crackers, things like that. Or you could try to make specific swaps. So, okay, instead of my evening bowl of chips, I'm going to eat a low calorie popcorn. Another way to cut calories would be to reduce, so not replace, but reduce high caloric foods. And this is the idea of eating 
baked versus fried, eating boiled food versus sauteed. I know some of you are shaking your heads, and a lot of these strategies are things that we've heard, but do we practice them? Another proven strategy is meal replacement. Again, a couple different approaches to this. Commercial products and programs do work. The idea of taking maybe a meal replacement bar instead of lunch, or even replacing your lunch with a smoothie or your dinner with a soup, we know that replacing one meal or two meals out of the day with kind of a controlled portion will reduce calories. So you're eating soup that may be 300, 400 calories versus a meal that may be six, seven, eight, nine hundred calories. Other dietary suggestions outside of cutting calories are changing what we're eating as far as types of nutrients. So we know that diet high in protein does help weight loss. We know that a diet low in carbs helps weight loss in the beginning, but it loses that effect after a few weeks. So then transitioning into eating healthy carbs, such as complex carbs. And when I say complex carbs, I'm talking about whole grains and whole wheat, fresh vegetables and whole fruits. Also eating patterns. So we also know to aid weight loss, eating smaller meals more frequently, as well as eating breakfast helps boost our metabolism. That's generally known, uh, but of course, every individual is different. And lastly, cutting yourself off from eating after a certain time at night. And this mainly works again for cutting calories, but it gets back to that dietary pattern. So saying that you're gonna stop eating after six o'clock can also help cut calories, because what are we really eating after dinner anyway, right? Does anyone eat dinner and sit down with a fresh apple? No, it's ice cream and brownies and cookies. So that's another strategy. It's one thing to know what to do, it's another thing to do that. <laughs> so making changes is typically the hardest part about it all. So here is just kind of a short list of what works for making changes. Picking a goal is important and making it meaningful. So setting a goal that really digs deep down into your value, something above and beyond, you know, I want to fit into these pants again, why? Continue to ask yourself, why is this important? Because I want to feel good about myself. And then remember that when you are faced with temptation. It's not just about fitting in the pants. It's about the much bigger picture. So setting a goal. Identifying habits. Identifying where it all goes wrong is the first step. So where, when is it the hardest to follow a healthy diet? Is it after lunch? Is it after dinner? Is it on the weekends? So identifying where it goes wrong is step one. Step two would be stimulus control, setting up your environment for success. So getting rid of the negative cues as far as getting rid of the chips and the cookies that are in plain sight and replacing them with healthy options that are easy to access and you can visually see them, as well as you know, setting your walking shoes next to your TV so you're forced to look at them as you sit there and continue to watch your marathon of shows. So setting up your environment is helpful. Also, social support. So talk about your goals with the people around you. Talk about your accomplishments with them. This helps build a supportive network and also helps you stay accountable. And then lastly, non-food rewards. So I think we are all guilty of this. I'll admit even I'm guilty of this sometimes. It's letting go of that idea of, okay, well, I walked around for an hour and trick-or-treated with my kids, so I deserve these Butterfingers. Select a non-food reward upfront for yourself. 
and have that in mind. It can be something as simple as, all right, I completed my weekly goal of this. You know, I'm going to buy myself flowers or I'm going to download a new song or I'm going to plan something relaxing. So picking a non-food reward. That was kind of my brief talk about weight loss and weight maintenance strategies, but I do want to make time for the nutrition label reading activity. So you all have your handouts. What do you find confusing about nutrition labels? Just shout it out. Where they hide sugars and salts. Hide sugars and salts. Daily requirements. Translating the fat. Translating the fat. The serving. The serving sizes. Figuring out the lesser two evils. The lesser of evils. Salt, fat, sugar. I'm going to have a hard time answering that question. <laughs> There's no Dr. Oz magical pill at the end of this. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. First, we're looking at nutrition facts. So all products have this that aren't, you know, your fruits and vegetables our whole foods. So look at the serving size and how many servings per container. All right, so we're looking at a box of macaroni and cheese here. If you ate the whole box, that's two servings. So all of the numbers on this nutrition label should be doubled. Understanding then what a serving size looks like. So one cup, one cup of macaroni. We're not talking about a whole lot of food. I mean, a decent sized side, possibly. So starting there, number two, checking calories. Again, keeping that serving size in mind. Okay, 250 calories, and I'm not one to get too focused on numbers, but having a general understanding of what's a lot of calories and what's not. Okay, is 250 calories for a cup of food a lot? Eh, no, I wouldn't say it's a lot. If it was 800 calories for one cup of food, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's a lot of calories for a small amount of food. So starting to look at that and think about that is helpful. Number three, limiting these nutrients. Total fat is highlighted, although we know that some fat is good for us and it's essential for our health. But saturated fat uh, is something we do not want too much of. And there are guidelines, 16 to 22 grams a day should be the range of saturated fat you're consuming. Trans fats, that you really don't want any. So the closest to zero, the better. Uh, cholesterol, so over time we found that cholesterol is not as bad as we originally thought it was, but it's still not good to have too much of it. So making sure you're not getting too much of that. And of course, sodium. Sodium is very important to look at. The number one weight loss diet for I don't know how many years has been the DASH diet, the low sodium diet. Because naturally when you take sodium out of foods and you start looking at sodium in foods, you stop eating processed junk food because there's so much sodium in processed junk food. That's why it's so helpful when you cut out the salt, you cut out the junk. The recommendations for sodium, it's recommended to get under 2300 milligrams per day. And if you have hypertension or are at risk for hypertension, to have less than 1500 milligrams per day. So what does this look like for this one cup of macaroni? If you are not at risk or do not have hypertension, this uh, is 20% of your daily sodium intake. If you are at risk or have hypertension, it's 31% of your recommended sodium intake in just this one cup. The nutrition advice is based off of the idea that you require approximately 2,000 calories a day. However, it depends on your age, your gender, your height, your weight, and your physical activity. So at a 2,000 calorie level at the percent daily value of fat, is 18%. Say you don't need that many calories and you're at like a 1500 calorie level, you're getting 24% of your total fat intake. 
So again, one cup of macaroni is almost one fourth of your recommended fat intake. Any questions? Mm -hmm. I'm having a real hard time just sitting here because this is just like macaroni and cheese is empty calories. It's really going to satisfy anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I don't go to so she's kind of cringing at the idea that we're reviewing macaroni and cheese because there's not a whole lot of value to macaroni and cheese. It is just kind of empty calories. You know, and she said, why not eat whole foods and go over that? Because this is what a lot of people eat. I mean, this is what we're going over to kind of point out. You know, like if you're going to eat food from a box or a bag, look at the nutrition fact, whether it's macaroni or something you think is healthy. Whole wheat pasta? Yeah. So that does a little bit more for us. So we have an example of whole grain pasta. The ingredients read only one ingredient, whole grain wheat flour. It's even got the little whole grain stamp of approval. You'll get a little more protein from this. You'll get a little more vitamins and minerals and nutrients from this, uh, more fiber. However, pastas, bread, and all of these items, whether they're whole grain or not, it's still a lot of carbs. Not something we necessarily need too much of. Whoever said it in the beginning, it's going to be the lesser of the evils. No food item is perfect, really. Is the government going to start doing anything regarding all these terms that are sometimes in these labels that you don't understand at all? Mm -hmm. There is a lot of movement, on, a lot of grassroots movement to regulate foods. The USDA is a very big department and food companies are very powerful. It's also very expensive to recreate labels. It takes time to get the policies approved. It really takes the consumers to start demanding it. What about that Yeah, BHT. So I don't know if I would be able to explain that particular ingredient, but at the last page does outline a short list of ingredients that are banned in most countries, but are not banned in the United States. But that short list does outline a number of ingredients that other countries feel are not safe for us to consume. But in the United States, all of these ingredients here are regulated. They have to be, if they're in the food, they have to be listed. So there are regulations on certain items that have raised a lot of eyebrows, I guess. Of course, we hear more and more we should eat more whole wheat, right? Companies have gotten smart and they've marketed uh, with whole grain wheat, first ingredient, more whole grain than any other ingredient. And that's because the ingredients are listed by weight. So the first couple ingredients of any food item is gonna be basically what that food item is made up of. So by them saying whole grain is the first ingredient, that's a step in the right direction. But let's look at that food label. Whole grain corn, first ingredient, great. Then there's sugar. Okay, that's the second ingredient. Whole grain oats is the third, and then you read on, and I have all the sugars highlighted. In cereal, kind of like macaroni, it's very difficult to pick a healthy cereal. Even this very organic, healthy-looking cereal, again, if you read it, um, second ingredient, cane sugar. A lot of calories for a very small amount of food, and you're just getting a whole lot of carbs and sugar. So you can see how it can be tricky. The trick to the whole grains, if you're going to eat breads and pastas, make sure it says 100% whole grain wheat, or that it has the whole grain wheat council stamp that you see down on the bottom. Moving on to fats versus sugars. Again, which is the lesser of the two evils? Uh, for a long time, our society was 
very afraid of fat. It was fat-free everything. And so there's a number of fat-free products that are out there. Yes, they do cut down on calories a little, but a lot of companies replace the fat with sugar. So you look at this fat-free half and half, and I always have to point this out, like what is fat-free half and half, right? <laughs> it's kind of like sugar-free jelly, like I don't get it. Uh, but anyway, you look at the second ingredient, skim milk and then corn syrup. So okay, you might be getting less calories in fat, but then you're still getting calories in sugar. Then there are foods that will outright, you know, market that it's a fat-free food, like Swedish fish, it's fat-free. The fat-free salad dressings oftentimes will replace the fat with sugar. And yogurt, which we've all come to love as a snack. Many of us know yogurt is very loaded with sugar. Dairy naturally has sugar in it, but your regular container of yogurt should naturally have about 12 grams of sugar. This Yoplait Peaches has 27 grams of sugar. What's recommended for men and women? Women being 24 grams of sugar per day, men being 36. So this is more than what the average woman needs in their sugar intake for the entire day. I should mention that, okay, so we like yogurt, we don't wanna give up our yogurt. It's just important to flip over and read the nutrition label because sugar content, sodium content, fat content, all of this varies greatly brand by brand and flavor by flavor. I can tell you right now, vanilla yogurt and honey flavored yogurt are probably the highest in sugar for all brands. Um, so it's just getting in that habit of reading those nutrition labels and finding a flavor and a brand that works for you. And I also wanted to point out regular milk and cheeses. It can be a healthy option to select a low fat milk or a reduced fat cheese. They're not adding sugar into those products and they can indeed help reduce calories. Yeah. Sure, she's asking about lactate and soy milk because there are an array of milks now. A lot of it I think is a trend. People didn't want to drink regular milk. It's not all that uncommon. I, this may be a dated statistic, but I believe like two thirds of the world are lactose intolerant because we are indeed mammals and we don't technically need milk after we're grown. So it's natural for us to lose the ability to digest and absorb some of the compounds in milk. But yes, now there are a number of other milk options and alternatives. Again, they're not necessarily healthier. They're for people who can't digest milk. But my point being, going back to what you're saying, uh, read the nutrition labels. That soy milk, how many calories is in a glass? Is it giving me vitamins and minerals? Is it giving me protein? How much calcium is it providing? So things like that. Yeah? Statistically, they say cannot, a lot of us cannot digest the dairy. So I'm trying to find, and I'm doing almond, but then it's like, it's still processed. So you get to the point, what do you drink that's not so processed? As far as a milk alternative? Yeah. Well, I guess that's where we struggle because our culture is so used to having milk, where other parts of the world and how Mother Nature intended us to be is kind of we, we let that go when we're grown adults. So it is hard to find an alternative. That's where you gotta pick the product that's gonna work for you the best. So if you're trying to watch sodium, find a brand and a flavor that has the correct sodium amount that you're looking for. At that point, it's individual preference on what you're trying to accomplish. Does that help?
All right, should we move on to trans fats? All right. Trans fats, like I said, an ingredient that is banned in a number of other countries. It's allowed in our food supply in America. However, companies and manufacturers have to identify it. However, they've found tricky ways to hide it. So if it's just a trace amount, they can put on the nutrition fact label that there's zero trans fats. And they can even put, um, like on the example with the, the Mission tortillas, zero grams trans fat per serving. Well, right away when you see the per serving, you can probably guess that there's trans fats in it. And if you eat more than one serving, which isn't that hard to do with a six inch tortilla, you're gonna start getting trace amounts of trans fat. So how to look for trans fats is you gotta read the ingredient list and anything that says hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated are items that you wanna try to avoid. And I'm not here to depress anybody. You know, I don't want you to go home and look through all your food and throw out everything that has an ingredient that you know, isn't healthy. Just do your best you can, try to avoid it. When you go to the store, try to find a brand that doesn't have trans fats in it. And don't feel guilty if you eat something that does have trans fats in it because it's laced in so many items in our food supplies. Long ago, they had the idea uh, to make liquid fat. So you have your, your saturated fat, your butter, that's solid at room temperature. They wanted to turn liquid fat into a solid. So they put it through this process to do that. However, in that process, it changes the molecular structure of that fat. And that change in the molecular structure, there's evidence behind it that that causes harm to our cardiovascular system or our heart health. But now, and I, I really don't understand, there are margarines out there today that do not have hydrogenated oil in them. Again, what is margarine? I don't know. I'm a big fan of eating the real thing, just not too much of it. All right, so natural and artificial flavors, we see this all over our food. What exactly does it mean? And should I pay more for it? So natural just means the ingredient exists in or is formed by nature. Notice that it is formed by nature doesn't necessarily mean that it was naturally found in that product. And it goes on to further define it as, you know, foods that are minimally processed, free from synthetic preservatives, sweeteners, colors, flavors, and additives. Natural doesn't always necessarily mean low calorie or healthy. So I have uh, the example of the natural Cheetos versus your regular Cheetos. Of course, the natural bag has this very attractive green looking label to it. And it says, of course, natural in big, bold letters, no preservatives, no artificial flavoring, no artificial coloring. But when you look at the nutrition facts, you know, there's really not much difference. Okay, there's a little less calories, a little less fat, I mean, no cholesterol in either, same amount of sodium, um, and about the same amount of carbohydrates, protein, vitamins and minerals are basically the same. But then you take a look at the ingredients, and just with a glance, you can see that there's a big difference. So of course the natural Cheetos are gonna have less of your additives and preservatives and all those funny ingredients that we don't know what they really are versus the regular Cheetos. And I'll point out that the regular Cheetos does claim to have zero grams of trans fat but does indeed have partially hydrogenated soybean oil in it. Um, so if you eat more than one serving size, 21 pieces, you may get more trans fats than you bargained for. You know, when you're faced with this at the store, you kind of have to do what's right for you, 
Okay, how much value do you put on not eating preservatives and artificial flavors and things like that? It's more of an individual choice. Meats, dairies, and eggs. I, this is a large topic, but I will try to keep it simple and brief. So much like milks, now there are all these different egg cartons and egg terms and different prices for eggs. Um, but what do all those marketing terms really mean? And I can tell you, eggs don't have a whole lot of regulations on them. Uh, so a lot of the terms that they try to get you to pay more for don't necessarily mean anything and aren't even regulated. So the terms that speak to outdoor access, cage-free, does not necessarily mean that they had outdoor access, and it's not a term that's regulated. You know, the USDA doesn't come in and regulate that. Same with free range and free roaming. We'll also market the feed. Omega-3 enriched is not a regulated term. Antibiotic-free, also not regulated in eggs. And we're only talking eggs, not poultry or meat. Um, Vegetarian-fed, that one I always have to stop and think about. Well, if it's not vegetarian-fed, <laughs> then you have your poultry. So fresh chicken. Fresh just means that it hasn't been frozen. Doesn't mean that it's more nutritious or anything. Poultry and meat does all get inspected, so anything that you see on the label has to be in fact true. And you can even see that it was inspected by the USDA. Um, and then you go on to see other stamps of approval, American Humane Certification, and there are a number of other organizations out there outside of the USDA that will come up with their own definitions of certification and then they will go to that farm or that manufacturer and see if they're following their idea of what's humane. So marketing tricks and terms. Uh, this is another box of pasta, but it's veggie pasta. Sounds healthy, right? So half a serving of vegetable per cup. In the big picture, that's really not that much of a serving. But okay, so what's in this veggie pasta? We look at the ingredients enriched wheat flour. Right away you know that it lost a lot of minerals and nutrients in the processing, but we're added back in a different form. But you read on wheat flour, durum wheat flour. Okay, a lot of processed flour. Then, okay, great, the vitamins and minerals they added back. And then the last ingredient to this pasta product, there it is, the dried cauliflower. Right before the cheese sauce mix. So you can see how deceiving what you think is a healthier choice is not so healthy. Is it a step in the right direction? Maybe a very small step, but definitely don't pay more for this product. Um, companies have picked up on the fact that people are moving away from sodas and high sugar beverages, so they've come up with these wonderful sounding products like vitamin water. However, when you read the ingredients, it's not calorically free. There's about 120 calories per bottle and you read the ingredients and okay, reverse osmosis water. And I thought like, okay, well that's fancy water. And then I actually went and looked it up. It's just filtered water. And then they also tried to glorify the second ingredient, crystalline fructose. Fructose is your simplest of sugars. Oh, and then the third ingredient, they just outright say cane sugar. It's hard to read, but it's there. And then trace amounts of all these other vitamins and minerals. So again, being mindful of your beverages, what they're doing for you and what they're not doing for you. I'm not saying that these products are bad. Uh, just be real with yourself. Okay, I had a vitamin water. It wasn't free of calories. I still got, you know, 120 calories. Okay. You know, be informed. 
pick yes, the lesser of the evil that works towards your goals, it can be confusing, but don't overthink it. You're gonna get more out of your food if you eat like that. Let's take a look at some of these products here. Are there any one product that stands out as healthy? Special K. Special K, right? We kind of have started to associate Special K with healthy breakfast food. Well, let's take a look at it. So a serving size is two thirds of a cup. That's not a whole lot of food in general. Uh, first ingredient, whole grain wheat. Well, that's great. Second ingredient, rice. Third ingredient, sugar. It goes to read on almonds, milled corn, more wheat. And then it does say 2% or less of brown sugar, syrup, salt. So not the worst product, but again, not too high in natural vitamins and minerals. Breakfast is hard, especially if you don't like eggs. Eggs is a great choice for breakfast. Vegetables, fruits, but eat the fruit with the fiber, right? That's kind of the deal. Eat a whole fruit. I'll admit, my breakfast is almost embarrassing, but as a dietitian, I mean, I eat like berries and nuts and seeds in the morning. Very typical of a dietitian, I suppose. I practice what I preach, so you can't fault me for that. <laughs> Did everyone enjoy this? Did you learn something? Yes. Okay. Thanks for listening to CTSI Science Cafe, brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and recorded live at St. Anne's Center for Intergenerational Care, Bucyrus Campus, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We invite you to join us and be part of our next community conversation. To learn more about CTSI Science Cafe and how you can attend, visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. While you're there, sign up as a community member. We need your help to advance clinical and translational team science and improve the health of people worldwide. And be sure to also check out our CTSI Discovery Radio podcast series as well. CTSI Science Cafe is produced by Dr. Oshoya Garrison, co-produced by Brian Bellmer. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Doriel Ward and Dr. Reza Shakir.